if you are competent, confident, and committed to the leverage that you have, you can achieve what you want. You are listening to Intangiblia, the podcast of intangible law, plain talk about intellectual property. Please welcome your host, Leticia Caminero. Welcome to episode four, season two. Today, we're going to talk about empowerment, empowerment through intellectual property. We're going to learn how athletes, entertainers, and entrepreneurs can use intellectual property to boost their careers. Let's greet our wonderful guest. My name is Ella Keisha O'Kelly. My nationality, I am a Black American and I am 44. I'll be 45 next month. And my profession is empowering people, giving people resources and tools to maximize opportunities. And I provide this on different platforms. I provide this as an attorney, as an empowerment speaker, as an athletic coach, and as an author. And how did you came to be all this amazing professions at one? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's so funny because it sounds like a lot, but it's to me all one and the same because it's rooted in, like I said, me empowering individuals. But I think of it like a tree with a bunch of branches and they're all connected in, in some ways, shape, form or fashion. So as far as a coach in athletics, that's been a part of my life since um, high school. You know, I, I competed in sports in high school and then I went on and competed collegially. And then from there, I went and competed professionally. So I competed on all levels when it comes to sport. And as an athlete, not only was I empowering myself, because especially when you go to the pro level, right in college and high school, it's about passion. It's about fun, competition. And then when you go pro, it's about a living. And so you have to really start understanding the business. And when I say you have to, some people don't. And those individuals, it doesn't pan out or work too well. But for me, I've always been a business focused, business minded individuals, no matter what I do. And as a professional athlete, I began to empower myself to understand the business of track and field. And then I began to empower some of my colleagues as well. So that's where that whole unofficial attorney thing, because, you know, I wasn't an attorney then. But I was <laughs> advising people, look, no, do not. You better think about that with this and this with, when you sign that and go back to your agent. And I used to sit down with my agents and have very in-depth conversations. And before I retired, the last agent I had, we had a very, very in-depth conversation about how the inner workings are of the business side of, of track and field. So I always was digging deep with that. So that was there. But speaker, the <laughs> same thing. I've always been speaking. I mean, whether it's college or with the youth in my neighborhood, I've always been that person that just has a voice and been always using it to speak power into situations, including mine. And then lastly, Arthur, that just happened uh, during the pandemic, actually last March. Um, When we first heard about the COVID situation, I've always said I wanted to write. I have so much to write about um, in educating individuals, but I also have things to write about as far as my story. And I've always said that I had on my vision board, wrote it down as far as my goal book, but life happened. I'm always so busy. And then COVID-19 sat me down 
And I was like, you know what? This is the time and this is what I want to start with. So the Arthur happened. So all of it is all tied in together. Well, it sounds like a beautiful journey and sounds like you still have a lot to give. <laughs> yes, this is just, I'm, I'm just going to start it. <laughs> so uh, what is the main message behind your book? Code versus code, the street code versus the legal code. Rethinking your business transaction, an empowerment guide for athletes, entertainers and entrepreneurs. Yes, code v. code, the street code versus the legal code. First, I want to kind of define what I mean by the street code and the legal code to better understand the main message. But the street code for me and how I'm defining it in the book is learned behavior, either through social or cultural conditioning or industry behavior that influences the creation of acceptable social contracts between parties involved in a business dealing. So in other words, it's people's personal experiences, whether that's how it has always been done or so-and-so told me do it like that. Or in the industries that I practice in, there's just ways people do things. It has nothing to do with law. And it has all to do with typically the side who ends up winning. They create what those standards are. And so people enter into transactions operating under that street code. Now, the legal code is a combination of laws that are established through either legislation or common law. So we can think about intellectual property law, copyright law, contract law. So those things that are literally established where if something was to go sour, go left, those are the legs that you want to stand on. That's what you want to go before a fact finder, a judge or a jury with that, not with the street code, because the street code is he say, she say, and it, you know, the judge really don't have time for that. And so this book, I'm comparing and contrasting the two and I'm showing that those who operate by the street code usually find themselves on the losing end of ownership, sustainable income and wealth. So what I'm trying to do is nudge the reader and say, hey, hey, rethink how you do this business deal, because if you do it like this, it may look like that. Um, but if you do it like this, it may look the other way. And the areas that I focus on are the areas in which people really don't grasp the importance or the weight that they hold. And that's intellectual property, contracts, right to privacy. And when I say intellectual property, I specifically focus on trademark and copyright because patent is also, but I focus on just trademark and copyright. The court dockets are full of the same issues, the same cases. And so I wrote this book to say, all right, if you're in the entertainment industry, if you're in the sports industry, if you are an entrepreneur, this is what you need to know. And I'm a point in direction to get more. And I also provide cases, real life cases, summaries of them to show when they made a decision to operate under the street code, it looked like this. So there is a win-win in the book. I want to show there's a win-win in any situation. Don't believe the hype that no, both sides can't win. Yes, you can. If you are competent, confident, and committed to the leverage that you have, you can achieve what you want. And so my message, I want to help any reader that's reading it, anybody in the public to move them in the right direction is beneficial for every reader. But I was specifically motivated 
by empowering those in the black community who have practiced this social and cultural conditioning of I, I have this talent. I have this creation. I don't understand the business side like that. I really don't look. I'm just jumping in. And so I was really motivated to say, let me get this out here um, to empower those individuals. What is essential for an athlete, entertainer, entrepreneur to achieve success? What will you tell them if you can summarize the main points of uh, which path to take and which path not to take? Absolutely. Well, first, because you know, too, as an attorney, words are important to us. So the first thing I tell individuals, my clients, any individuals that I speak to, any individuals that ask me advice is first, you have to define what success means to you. Success is amorphous. It has no shape or no form. The individual must give it shape and meaning. And you cannot let someone externally give you that shape or meaning, because then you're going to make decisions based off something that's not coming from within you or from you. So first I tell them, define what success means to you. And then I say, okay, now that you've defined this, you have to understand that this whole concept that you are a business, you are a business before anything else, you are a business that's contributing to this economic ecosystem. You contribute by providing goods and services either through your name, your image, your likeness, your talent, or your creation. And so all of those different factors fall in every area, falls in entertainment, sports, and entrepreneurship. So you're providing one of those things as a good or service. And once you understand that, you understand that you're the CEO of yourself. And then as a business, you're overlooking these external things. Then you know how to make better decisions and then must start to understand return on investment, which is the ROI. You have to understand return on investment. So that way, you know how to go in and have those conversations and to negotiate and understand what leverage is. That's a very powerful message. It's also a way to understand yourself with value, that you have value as an individual or athlete, entertainer, and entrepreneur. And the reason why you're sitting in the table negotiating this contract is because you're worth something uh, beyond what you may believe of yourself. Absolutely. This, this is that concept. You have to get that before anything else. Otherwise, your focus will just be on the smoke and mirrors, the glitz mm -hmm. and glam. You have to understand your worth. Why are we sitting down having a conversation? You can't even call it negotiation. What yeah. are we negotiating? You, you don't even know where you're starting from. Exactly. And how will you connect that to IP, to intellectual property, meaning uh, trademark and copyright that you focus on your book? I tie that because that is wealth. IP is wealth. A lot of individuals focus on the income portion. And I talk to my clients and others and say, look, income comes in and goes out and come and it goes out. It's cash flow over and over again. But wealth, wealth is passed down to generations. When you look at income and if you don't focus on wealth, When you look at income, intellectual property will say this to you when you're doing a contract. Oh, this is a great deal. Look at the, all the money I'm about to make from the deal. Yes, I'll take it. That's what income does. Wealth says, okay, this is, this, is a, this is great money. I appreciate this offer. Now let me find that provision 
about intellectual property because that's my wealth. That's what I'm going to be able to pass down. Let me find that provision in this contract and see if I'm assigning all of those rights over to you. And so that's what intellectual property, when you start to understand that, you start to think about anything that you do totally differently. Income, what I tell people, income open up doors, but wealth creates them. And you have a lot of entertainers, a lot of athletes and entrepreneurs who may want homes. They want cars and jewelry, real and personal property. But the one property that can appreciate is intangible property, your intellectual property. You can actually generate income off of that wealth. People will pay you. It's an asset. You can make so much money off that one thing. You can license it, personally make money. I, t- I teach this um, intellectual property. It's a spinoff of my book. Uh, it's called the Covey Code Intellectual Property. And I speak about, give examples of like Snickers and Jolly Ranchers. So we thought of Snickers, it was candy. And they built that brand. And that's their intellectual property. Next thing you know, Snickers teamed up with ice cream company. Now you have the Snickers ice cream. They don't have to know how to make ice cream. All they have to do is license their intellectual property. Jolly Ranchers, candy. And then you have the Jolly Ranchers popsicles. So once you understand what intellectual property can do, then you'll start looking at things, um, you know, just totally different. They call it intellectual for a reason. It's very powerful, um, all your message. I really love talking to you. I I feel very empowered (laughs) just with this conversation. (laughs) You are listening to Intangiblia, the podcast of intangible law, plain talk about intellectual property. Can you tell us about a case or do you remember a case where IP was the main character or the reason why the athlete, the entrepreneur, the entertainer succeeded? Every case everyone. And so because I negotiate (laughs) sponsorship deals, um, I negotiate uh, television deals, everything that my client and I also negotiate for the other end. So I negotiate for talent who's providing these services uh, directly. And I also have, you know, producers and filmmakers, too. And I sit down with them. I have those conversations and say, you know, before I even take on a client, Um, I'm I'm blessed to be in a position that I can not only provide consultations where clients can decide if I'm a fit, but I decide if they're a fit too. Because I, like I mentioned earlier, this is just one of the many platforms that I use to empower. So I don't use this just to say, oh, I have the knowledge um, in this particular area and I want to go make money. No, I have this knowledge to empower you. And maybe if we don't align on that, because there are some individuals who say, look, I don't have time for all that. I just want fame. I don't want to risk it all. And I encourage, go ahead. And I will actually recommend somebody for you. But Mm -hmm. for me, for every client that I have, we sit down and have those conversations about intellectual property. That's where we start because I'm going to have to deal with that in some way. If you are on television, we're going to have to give up copyrights, right? So when you have a producer who may be shooting this project and then they want to go sell it to a network, they need to say they own all of the copyrights, at least to to put them in the, you know, put them on up and up the best footing. And so do you want to give it all? What, What kind of conversations do we want to have? And if you give this up, 
what are we getting in return? What is the leverage? Do you want executive producer credits? So I talk about not just getting that check that you're going to cash out. You have the main thing. You have the thing that allowed these industries to be multi-billion and trillion dollar industries. They're billion and trillion dollar industries because of what you bring to the table. And so every single case, every single negotiation, every single situation deals with intellectual property for me. In all the things that you have seen, which career ending mistakes could have been avoided with the good counsel or just by reading the details of a contract? Well, your last remark kind of sums up what I'm about to say is choosing ignorance. And I don't mean that in a derogatory sense. I mean, ignorance in its true sense, as in lack of knowledge. Right. So it's OK. All of us start ignorant at something at some point. But when you choose to stay in that ignorance is a whole nother situation. When I know I don't know about something, I have to choose to educate myself, to empower myself, either surround myself around individuals that do know, open those books and read listen to video, watch videos, listen to audio, do whatever I need to do to educate myself. But for individuals in these industries, all three of them, choosing ignorance is the most avoidable mistake that they can make. I've seen people who just choose not to read. The details are right there. They'll come and say, I have a bad contract, a bad contract. And I'll ask them, oh, is this the contract they gave you after you started? No. Okay, well, this is the same contract you had when you started. (laughs) so did you choose not to read or get somebody else to read if you can't read that's fine then open your mouth but you have to take those steps you must empower yourself educate yourself put yourself around people to do better to learn from ignorance is not bliss it's bait and have you been in a scenario where, where the other party says you're asking for too much or you're expecting too much absolutely because it's un it's it's unlearning on both sides Mm-hmm. Right. So there's conditioning in industry, too. And sometimes people in the industry, they may not even come with ill will or ill intent. They they're on that side and just know this is how it's always been done. So they think that is the law. They think that that practice is the law, is the policy. No, that's just how it's been practiced. But let me tell you, it's open for negotiation. And so it is hard to kind of deal with individuals on both sides of the fences to get them to unlearn what they thought it to be. And I'm that person in the middle that's actually teaching my client in the other side or you know, <laughs> just dealing with that on both sides and say, look, this is what we're trying to achieve here. Mm-hmm. So put all that other stuff down and let's just walk into it fresh. Right, right. So it's about educating the client, educating the other part and making sure that everyone understands uh, where everything stands. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> and from my career and professional background, all of this, in these industries or whatever you're doing, these are important principles just for business of life. Like I said, I have a colorful background. I mean, from athletes to banking to human resources, coaching, teaching, NFL agent. And the one thing remains the same. Mm-hmm. Understanding the business and what you bring to the table in the business. Whatever you do, do it with care and educate yourself on what it's in front of you. You must. Or you're not ready for you're not ready to to do any business. If you're not ready to educate yourself, then you're not ready to say yes to anything. I don't care how talented you are. I don't care how creative you are. If you're not willing to put your best foot forward for yourself, then don't complain. 
about <laughs> so you know like you, you really just say i accept it yeah or rethink your life choices <laughs> right yeah so uh, what would you say to someone who is just starting out, like uh, an athlete who just has been offered uh, a contract for the very first time? For the very first time, remove yourself because you're going to be anxious. <laughs> remove, allow <laughs> your team, those who are to do what they're supposed to do, do it. Because never really engage yourself when you're desperate. And a lot of times when you're new, you're excited and you're desperate. So just sit back, express your goals and your vision to your team. Sit back. Let us all pull it together. Let us come to you and let and trust. You have to trust your team. Trust that we're going to deliver on whatever your vision and your goal is. So that's a beautiful message. And well, with that, thank you. Thank you so much for your time. And thank you for this great inspiration, empowering talk. And I really hope we can talk again whenever your next book is coming out, because I believe that someone with so much uh, to say will definitely have a book series very soon. <laughs> thank you. And yes, the audio version is coming out um, soon, too. So I have it in all formats, hard copy, ebook and audio. To the audience, please make sure to get the book Code versus Code, The Street Code versus The Legal Code, Rethinking Your Business Transactions, an Empowerment Guide for Athletes, Entertainers, and Entrepreneurs. You can pick it up on Amazon and soon has an audiobook as well. Oh, yes. And so we come to the end of our episode. See you next Tuesday with a new guest and a new IP topic. Goodbye from Washington, D.C. Thank you for listening to Intangiblia, the podcast of intangible law, plain talk about intellectual property. Did you like what we talked today? Please share with your network. Do you want to learn more about intellectual property? Subscribe now on your favorite podcast player. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Visit our website www.intangiblia.com. Copyright Leticia Caminero 2020.